0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions.
1: Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights I'm Liz Gill, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning, we're going to talk about taxes. I hope you listened to Money Talks. Just previously, we talked about IRAs and Roth IRA contributions, which can uh, help you with your taxes. If you missed that show, you can listen to it again on our website, mpbonline.org/slash/moneytalks, and that'll be on later this afternoon. But right now, what we're going to talk about is uh, your taxes. If you have questions about what the tax law is in the United States, now we'll tell you what the tax law is, but we're not going to tell you what you should do or what you shouldn't do. You'll need to make your own personal decisions. But Professor Gershon's going to tell you what the tax law is. Our number. If you have a question, give us a call. Our number. is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Welcome back from spring break, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz. It's great to be back. And, uh, you know, just a word of caution, everyone, no taxing and driving. Uh, You know, it is – I hope we don't put anybody to sleep today. But we will be talking about the tax laws and not, as you said, giving anyone specific advice on their situation. That's something they would have to go to their tax accountant or tax attorney. But, you know, and we're going to focus mainly on 2017, and that's important. It's what what do people need to know prior to the deadline for filing taxes for this year, which is their 2017? year and then uh, you know we will can also allude a little bit to some of the changes that will take place as they prepare for next year
1: i know taxes certainly do not put me to sleep they uh, amp up my anxiety and remind me that i keep putting it off and i shouldn't do that and if i could just go ahead and get over with i won't live with the anxiety so this morning we're talking about not the most wonderful time of the year, but we're talking about tax season. So, okay, here's my question, Professor Gershon. Before we start getting into 2017 and schedule this and whatever that, taxes, I looked it up. Taxes have been around since 6,000 BCE, and, you know, America has been a government for 231 years, and we've had the federal income tax for 105 years. Why can't our Congress— fix it so that the that the taxes are everyone's happy it make it's fair uh what uh, or is what's fair for me isn't fair for bill gates
2: well that's you know that's a great question and it really comes down to every politician that i've heard of in my lifetime and that's been a long time almost most of those you know six thousand years in fact (laughs) um you know the uh most of the politicians will say we want to make you know have a tax law that's fair and simple And that sells and it gets votes, but it's really not uh, completely possible because simplicity does not equal fairness. Uh, And all you have to do is look at anyone who has children knows that, that, you, you know, to be fair to your children, you can't just always give them each exactly the same thing. It doesn't work that way. We have a complex society. We have a lot of different kinds of businesses. People have their own businesses. People have corporate entities. They have LLCs. They have, um, you know, some people travel for business. Some people are employees. Some people are employers. So to really try to, if you really simplify the code, you could do what the Soviet Union did, which was essentially you make it, we take it. That's simple, but not necessarily fair. That's an oversimplification, even of what the Soviet Union did. But uh, so when we think about fairness and simplicity, fairness, um, is is really should be the goal, and to do to get there, you really can't have a completely simple tax code. Now, what I do hope is some states have started to exper- experiment with the idea of having all the all your taxes done automatically, uh, for at least the ones that are uh, done through your employer and uh, and through uh, investments, because banks can certainly report your interest directly to the to the state. You know that would simplify things for people. Because uh, you know, most of us, if we're employees and we have simple investments, then really the, the taxes could be done uh, pretty much automatically.
3: All
1: right. Well, so listeners, if you have a question about what the tax law is, uh, if you have a question on if you need to file, uh, if you have a question about age, if you have a question about whether uh, the tax law allows a certain deduction, go ahead and give us a call. Our number is one mpb ring That's 1-877-MPB. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. So before I get all this anxiety, uh, who needs to file an income tax return?
2: Well, well, there's anyone who uh, – there are different uh, numbers depending on your situation. But if you're – for example, if you're single and you're under 65, if you don't have uh, income – of ten thousand four hundred dollars, that's taxable income. Of ten thousand four hundred dollars or more, you don't really need to file a tax return. So, uh, it, you know, it, it, with somebody who is over sixty-five, that number goes up to eleven thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. And people who are married, uh, filing jointly, where both spouses are under sixty-five, that number goes up to twenty thousand eight hundred dollars. So, their their numbers on the returns. If if it, if it turns out that you're below those numbers, you'd really don't even have to file. But I want to caution that for many people in that situation, by filing, they'll get a refund. Because if they've had taxes withheld, they'll certainly get get that money back. So there are reasons to file, uh, even if you don't have to.
1: Yeah, my son uh, is, is really bummed out this year because he's, he's had a summer job. He's, he worked while he was in college, but he never made that much money. So to him, filing your tax return meant getting a refund of all the federal taxes that were withheld throughout the year. But uh, now he's a big boy, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's, he's his own person, and uh, he's having to learn that uh, he has to file for a different reason now.
2: Well, you know, in some ways, it's, too, it's true. I, I had a friend that I used to teach tax with at another law school, and he would say, give me the money, I'll pay the taxes. You know, they're, they're, having to pay taxes means that you're earning enough uh, to contribute to society. That's not a bad thing.
1: All right. So now our next question um, is, what are the, the deadlines? Uh, the District of Columbia always seems to have a holiday and weekends. What, what, what's the, the down and dirty deadline for when I have to have my Texas taxes paid?
2: You know, typically it's April 15th, but this year it is April 17th. Uh, 2018, and that's because uh, April 15th happened to fall on a Sunday, and so uh, the deadline is now on the Seventeenth, and that means you have to have it, your uh, tax return the old school way, as people would drive to the post office at midnight on April twenty seventeen, uh, April seventeenth, twenty eighteen. I don't know why anybody ever did that, uh, but now it really is most people file electronically, and so you would need to have it filed by that day. Uh, a, a, an important reminder, though: filing by the deadline is not paying by the deadline. Your taxes have to be paid by the end of the previous year. You just simply file your tax return on April 17th. So that's not the deadline to pay taxes. That's the deadline to file. Uh, People can get extensions. and, And so those of you who are panicking and haven't even started the process and don't even know where to begin can file for an extension. And if you file for an extension, then your tax return would be due on October 15th. 2018, And the extension is pretty easy to file for. It's something that they give automatically. But, again, if you owe money, that money will still be subject to uh, penalties and interest, uh, depending on the circumstances.
1: Professor Gershon, we had the best phone call ever in the last hour on Money Talks. A guy called up and said last year he realized he had to pay $600 in taxes but he went and contributed six hundred dollars to an IRA, so that he got the tax deduction. So he paid him, he was able to pay himself rather than uh, it go into the the, the tax system. And uh, he he called to remind people to uh, make sure you have until the tax filing deadline to make your twenty seventeen individual retirement account contributions
2: a really important point and if you ask for an extension if you file for an extension then you have to the extension date to make those con- that contribution and uh, you know so that's an that's an important uh, thing to note because not enough Americans are saving money for retirement and the government tries to make it easier for us by allowing us to deduct the money that we put aside as long as we don't exceed the IRA limits.
1: Well, fantastic. Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to continue our discussions of the tax laws. Woo! <laughs> if you have a question about the tax laws in the United States, give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 877 672 7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. We understand you're maybe in the car, running errands, you're getting in and out of the car. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and this morning we are talking about taxes. So if you have a question about what the tax law is, uh, give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING, and that comes out on the num- number pad as one Now, we remember all the brouhaha in December about uh, Congress and the president uh, passing sweeping tax changes, but that doesn't apply to us right now. Right now, we're talking about uh, getting your taxes done uh, in the next couple of weeks, but what were the... Tax changes from 2016 to 2017 that we need to be made aware of.
2: Well, and I will be happy to talk about those. But first, I want to correct one thing I said to make sure everyone's clear. Uh, I said you could fi- you could uh, contribute to your IRA. Uh, on the extension date, and that's not true. Actually, you have to make your IRA contribution by April 17, 2018. But if you have a Keo plan or a SEP plan, which is uh, uh, something my wife actually has a SEP plan because she's self-employed, uh, that can be uh, contributed October 15th. So I want to make sure I, I cleared that up before we want, went on. Now, just a, a couple of the changes that, that uh, took place uh, for this year are, are you know, simple things for the most part, change in mileage rates and things like that. But the most important one is the threshold for uh, deductions for medical expenses used to be that uh, you could only take a medical expense deduction if you itemized, and to the extent that uh, your medical expenses exceeded 10% of your adjusted gross income. So if I made um, $100,000, let's say, my medical expenses uh, would have to exceed 10% of that. They'd have to be over $10,000 before I could even take a penny of medical expense deduction. And let's say I had a, a $10,001 uh, of medical expenses, I would only be able to take a dollar. Uh, now, for 2017, that has been reduced to seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income. So it's a little bit better. You know, obviously it's still better to have insurance and medical insurance to to cover those expenses if possible. But uh, that's not always uh, possible, and we have deductibles. So if you have a catastrophic illness, for example, that will help people who are uh, paying a lot of out-of-pocket expenses. As I mentioned, the business mileage rate is now fifty-three point five cents per mile that you can take. So If you're traveling for business, uh, that is something that uh, you can deduct or, uh, you know, that's how your employer will reimburse you uh, if that's the case. And by the way, it's always better to be reimbursed than it is to take the deduction.
1: All right. And everyone has heard our call, and they are ready with their tax questions. We've got uh, Jackson, the Gulf Coast Biloxi. But first, we're going to welcome onto the show Meridian. Welcome to In Legal Terms. Shirag, are you available? I think we're having trouble with uh, our first call, so we will go to Craig in Biloxi. Uh, Welcome to In Legal Terms.
4: you have an IRA and you become disabled before before your retirement age, Uh, will will you be penalized if you take
2: the money out that's a that's a great question and it depends first of all it depends on what age you start taking the money out because you know uh, you can start taking iras out earlier than 65 Um, in fact uh, if you are 55 you can take money out of your ira without a penalty Um, and you know, if, if you are disabled, then you should be entitled to. If, that would be something that the Social Security Administration would determine uh, for federal purposes. So you should be able to get Social Security disability, uh, and I would take that instead of the taking money out of the IRA because that will be certainly taxable. Uh, but you know, there are there are um, ways that you can withdraw that money without being um, penalized. And that's something I think that you would have to discuss, you know, your own uh, personal advisor about your situation and whether you qualify.
4: Okay. Thank
2: you.
1: All right. Thank you so much for calling in today, Craig. Uh, next, we're going to go to the Gulf Coast. Alyssa is on the line. Go ahead, Alyssa.
3: Um, I'd like to know if you have a taxical, taxable income below, it's pretty close to 12000 Right. Am I understanding that correctly? 11.9, something like that?
2: Right. If you're single and you're 65 and older, it's $11,950. All
3: righty. And, um, and you have a mortgage deduction that is um, three quarters of that, say seven to $8,000. Um, are, can you file and get a refund?
2: So that is, in other words, you have um, expenses. It depends. The only way you really get a refund uh, technically is if you pay taxes, had taxes withheld. And uh, if, you, if, if you have a mortgage uh, interest payment, if I understood your question, the in, yeah. only the interest is deductible. And you have to itemize your deductions in order to, to benefit from that. And I would imagine that with uh, taxable income under uh, $12,000, you're likely not itemizing deductions. Um, right. But, but if so, then that you really get the standard deduction instead. The bottom line is you won't owe any taxes. If you pay taxes through employment or you've had taxes withheld in some other way, then you could file for a refund. Now, there is also something called the earned income credit, and that is almost like a, if you think about it, a negative income tax uh, for certain taxpayers who are making money, who are earning income, not from uh, investments, but from actual employment. And if they're below the poverty level by a certain amount then they actually will get a refundable credit and that's different from a deduction so that you know it really depends on again the circumstance but you would not be able to really take advantage of the the mortgage itself uh, except for the interest and only to the extent you itemize thank you so much certainly
3: all right our
1: phones are still all lit up so if uh If you're trying to call and you can't reach us, it's because someone else is tied up the line, but as you hear someone go off, just like uh, Alyssa from Gulfport is gone, so now we have one line open, and now we've gone to Don in Jackson. Welcome to In Legal Terms. Thank you. Go ahead with your question.
4: Um, Someone offered to buy my house as an investor, and he offered, and I would be the... uh, he called it owner financing. He would put a certain amount, 12 percent down, and then pay me a certain amount for months for a 15-year mortgage. And I'd never heard. First of all, never heard of that kind of a, a um, contract. And second of all, what would my exposure be? And tax problems? I don't know about.
2: Well, uh, the, one, one thing to look at, if, you, if this was your personal residence, there are some exemptions uh, available when you sell your personal residence. Uh, you know, you don't have to report capital gain uh, up to $250,000. Um, but if you're selling it and also financing it back, if you're taking back a note, in essence, and they're paying you installments over time, a part of your payment will, in fact, be income. That's going to be the interest. So that person would have to uh, help you to know what Portion of each payment would be interest, and what portion of each payment would be return of your capital, um, and you would certainly be exposed uh, in terms of income tax on the interest portion. So, what you have to decide is: is this a good deal? I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm going to wait 15 years to get my full payment, will the interest rate make that a, a good enough investment for me uh, that the return is worth waiting 15 years? And if the answer is no, then I would. Uh, sell the, the property to someone else who can pay you cash uh, you know right away
4: okay that's answered my questions thank you so much
2: certainly uh, Thank
1: pleasure. you Don we appreciate uh, your calling in uh, we now have two open lines if you want to give us a call our number is 1877 MPB ring that's one877. 672 7464. If you're listening at work, maybe you don't want to tie up your employer's phone call, phone line, you can send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Next, we've got uh, a caller from Belzona uh, asking an overtime question. Thanks for calling in. Hello, uh, thank you. I want
4: to know uh, do all employers have to pay overtime?
2: Well, that, it depends on what type of employment you have. For example, um, I, if you know, when I was dean of the law school, I, I certainly worked more than a forty-hour week, but the university did not was not required to pay overtime because I was a salaried employee. I was considered an exempt employee. But if you are a an hourly employee, uh, and you know you you work overtime, and your employer is of a certain size there are certain size requirements for that as well then they would have to pay over time and that's something that uh, you i would check with my hr department uh, is the best place to to talk to someone about that because they would know the rules that apply to your particular employer
3: well
4: does that uh the size that count for the number of employees or the money that they make each year or how does that work Did you know
2: it's really the size of the employer, uh, the, but also um, what type of employee you are is very important. If you are a salaried employee and not an hourly employee, then there's really no requirement that they, they pay you overtime because the salaried employee, the, the expectation is you do the job and you get paid a certain amount for it. All right.
4: Well, this person is actually a, uh hourly person, and it's... It's a pretty good-sized company, but it's only, like, two people besides the uh, workers, you know, that do the job. And I was just trying to find out if they were required to pay overtime.
2: I mean, it's certainly, if, you know, the, the, if, if the person is working uh, more than the hours that they contracted to work and they're an hourly employee, the presumption is they should get overtime, and overtime means uh, a higher level of pay per hour. But that's something I think you, would, you should talk to the HR department. They, have, they should have all the federal laws and regulations uh, there, and that would be the best place to talk. Because it, it really does, it varies depending on the business.
4: Well, what is the HR department?
2: Well, whoever is in charge of per- hiring personnel and, and firing personnel would be the place I would go. Because they should have all the, the, the employee rules and, uh, and regulations for the company.
4: All right, well, that's the same man that signs of checks. One of the checks. He's
2: the one that pays it. You know, uh, tell you what you're going to make anyhow. Right. Well, I I wish I could help you more. I mean, really, this is not so much a tax question as it is an employment law question. Uh, yeah. And it, so, I, you know, I think that's the almost, I'm sorry, but that's the best I can do is to say, hey, you know, you got to talk to somebody in the company about whether they're under the uh, the federal laws about, uh, about um, overtime.
1: All right. Thanks for calling in from Belzona. Uh, next, our last call before we take a quick break is going to be Jerry from Memphis. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you for taking my call, uh, Doctor. I'm in the middle of a divorce, and I'm wondering if there if you do a, a 401k transfer to your spouse, is there a way is there a way to do that without tax penalty? If if you have money tied up in a 401k or an IRA right now and they want cash rather than that particular instrument, uh, can you do it without paying? Because I know normally if you withdraw from a 401 k prior to the particular age that you do it, you pay a 10% penalty up front, and then you pay taxes on it. Uh, so I'm wondering if there's a way to do that without getting beat up by the tax man.
2: There is. It's a great question. And um, first of all, one thing to think about, I'm sorry you're going through a divorce. That's always hard. Uh, the tax law, this is where the tax law does change. And that is if you enter into the divorce, if you uh, have to pay alimony, uh, and your divorce is finalized this year in 2018, that alimony can still be deductible uh, by you if you're paying. And it will be taxable to the person receiving it but if if the divorce is not finalized till next year or years after that the new tax law takes away, it repeals that deduction for alimony paid and says that alimony received is, not, is no longer taxable. So that's one consideration, important tax consideration for anyone getting divorced, certainly this year. But your question about the, the uh, 401k or any uh, retirement plan, what would happen is there has to be something called a Quadro, a Qualified Domestic Relations Order. Uh, that has to take place, and that's where the court orders as part of the property settlement that a part of the retirement plan goes to uh, the other spouse, and then the company that holds the the IRA would essentially transfer that. Now if the other person wants cash, they can take it out, but it will be taxable to them and not you, but you want to make sure that through your divorce that that retirement plan is dealt with with a qualified domestic relations order.
1: Thank, Jerry, thank you so much. Professor Gershon, what you know always surprises me. So when we come back from the break, we're talking about the U.S. tax law. So if you have a question, uh, we can't tell you what to do, but we can tell you what the law is. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 1- 877-672-7464. Uh, Tim in Vicksburg, Joan in Long Beach, Kay in Vicksburg. Hang on. We're going to take a real quick break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio Professor Richard Gershon is the expert. I'm so impressed. I'm just Liz Gill punching buttons and calling up the phone lines. This morning we're talking about uh, take the taxes. We're taking your tax questions. We are full on our lines, but when someone drops off, you can give us a call. Our number is one 1- Eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I will admit I have filled out my FAFSA for my college uh, child, but not done my taxes. Professor Gershon, what about you?
2: Yes, in fact, I have, and uh, that actually, to me, in some ways, is a harder thing to do than filling out the tax return. Um, but the good thing, uh, the good thing is, once you fill out your tax return for this year, and you have to do the form, uh, financial aid form for the next year, you can just bring in the information from the IRS directly into it. So it really does; they they work well together. Well, I, can, can well, I can interrupt for one thing? I just wanted—I I didn't do a great job on the overtime pay question because that's not my area but there is a, a website that I'd like to give which is www.dol that's Department of Labor dol.gov uh, and it, it'll tell you about overtime pay and who's required to get it and who's not. So I just want to make sure I put that out there.
1: Well, I hope our Belzona listener um, will, uh, is still listening and will go to DOL.gov. The one thing I will say is that if you think your taxes are bad, the CSS profile, which is a form you have to fill out if your uh, student attends a private school. I know a lot of the Northeast schools where one of mine went, because she got a fabulous uh, financial aid package, but they want to know the number of miles on your car you drive. They want to know every little tiny itty bitty detail about your entire life. But you know, if they're going to contribute to your child's education, uh, I will. I will show them my piggy bank. All right. I, I- <laughs> Let's go to uh, Long Beach. There we go. Long Beach. Joan, Uh, thank you for holding.
3: Uh, Go ahead with your question. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Um, My question is about um, long-term stock sales. My husband was with a company that allowed him to purchase company stock, and it became part of his retirement plan. When he retired, he rolled it over into a brokerage account at Vanguard and, uh, subsequently over the past year sold off a part of those stocks in four increments. Now, my question is how to report, uh, the cost basis of those stocks when there was no information given to us on um, the uh, 1099, I think it's an R. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how to, um, you know, figure out that cost basis. They, According to the company, and I'm talking about Vanguard, they said, we do not have those records. You would have to go back to the company that you worked for. And my, my uh, husband called the company, and they said, we stopped... Uh, um, recording those, uh, purchases and so forth in 2011 because the government said we need, no longer need to keep those records. Um, so the, the only thing that we could come up with was a cost, uh, average. And that was in one of the documents in, in the, in the, uh, stock account.
2: You know, I think that's what you got to do in that situation. Exactly what you're doing is the best you can possibly do and and use due diligence to try to find that basis. Um, Right. Because part of it might it really depends on did your husband have to pay for any of the stock originally or was it, you know, did they give him a reduced cost or did they just transfer the stock directly without any cost to him? And he uh, deferred the the
3: situation where he purchased and they matched.
2: So some of it he actually paid for and would have yeah. a cost basis at that time. And unless you have those purchase records, you know, the thing the thing about it is the, the IRS will assign a basis if if you don't. And certainly uh-huh. they can challenge the basis that you come up with. But as long as you, you really have given it you know due diligence and tried to find the information and come uh-huh. up with something that is, is reasonable uh, based on the price of the stock at the time, you should be fine. I mean, because it's going to be hard for them to trace back and, and argue anything else. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. And and so I think that what, what you're doing is is the appropriate thing to do. I would tell you, know, I, I, Vanguard can't give you that information, because I know Vanguard is pretty good about being able to supply um, uh-huh. how much of mine is cash. Capital gain or right, how much minus right. in, in interest. Uh huh. So I think okay. you're doing the best you can.
3: Okay, <laughs> thanks for your help. That, that's nice
1: to be told you're doing the best you can, and and that's all expected of you.
2: Exactly. Well, I think that's, you know, at some point, the IRS, because, you know, sometimes things are just uh, transactions took place so long ago that there really is no no good record of, of what happened. And so they will come up with, a, a, and they'll have an expert witness to do it a lot of times, but it'll be a best guess of what, what the value was at the time and what the purchase price might have been uh, at that time, uh, especially if it's an item like a, a piece of furniture that was sold or something like that. So, uh, you know, sometimes the best we can do is the best we can do, and that's not great legal advice it's just true
1: all right well since jones call is finished we have a line open it's one 672 7464 but that means it's Kay's turn from vicksburg welcome to the show
5: Kay. thank you uh, my question is about the required distribution on an ira um, if you have that sent directly to your church i've been told that it, it's not taxable then is that
2: correct? Yes, that is correct, And uh, but it has to be done directly. So it would have to be something where you don't take the money. And that, that's a good thing to do if you're in a situation where you have the mandatory distribution, uh, but you don't really want, need the money, and that's a good right. position to be in, mm-hmm. uh, that, to have that uh, transferred directly to a charitable organization by the paying organization You don't have to report that as income. Okay, Uh, then
5: my next question is when the church receives it, they know that it's given in my name. And when I receive their end of year um, uh, income tax, you know, for um, uh, itemizing, can I take that money that was sent from the IRA as part of my um, giving to the church?
2: Uh, no, unfortunately, you know, that's that's why you're allowed to not report it as income, mm-hmm. because if you, you the other way to do it would be to take the money directly yourself and then give it to your church. Mm-hmm. But then and you would be able to, it would work out the same if you itemize uh, and if you weren't subject to certain income deduction limitations, things like that. Um, and so you're not having to report income because it's being transferred to the church directly. That is, in essence, the deduction you're getting.
5: But you can't double dip.
2: (laughs) You can't double dip, but it's worth thinking about for sure.
5: Well, I just wondered about that. I wanted to make sure before we sent our taxes in. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
1: All right, and uh, we have lines open. If you want to give us a call, our number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law is taking your questions about the U.S. tax code. Oh, what, what, how would your mom here, how would your mom feel uh, hearing that and 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 knowing uh, you're providing such a good service to the people of Mississippi?
2: Well, I, I hope she would she would be happy about it. I know she was upset. I was not a doctor, <laughs> um, so <laughs> you,
1: you, you just can't win with moms sometimes.
2: Yeah, my mother was my mother was pretty tough. That way.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to Vicksburg, Tim. We appreciate you hanging on. Uh, what's your question for in legal terms?
3: Okay, first I'm over in
4: Louisiana now. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, we can. Okay,
4: so my question is about. Uh, rebate money. Um, uh, utilities over in Louisiana uh, offer uh, rebate money towards um, items that you purchase. Do you know the tax implications on rebates from utilities?
2: Yes. I mean, that's just that's really all they're doing is giving you a discount is essentially they're doing it. Uh, It'd be like they gave you a coupon, but instead of doing that, they're just uh, giving you the taking the money and giving it back to you. That is not a taxable event. Just like if you go to um, a car dealer and buy a car and they give you a rebate. uh, Same thing. It's not a taxable event uh, because all that's happening is you're paying them money and they're giving you a portion of it back as a discount. And so uh, that that's just uh, the benefit of the bargain.
1: Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Tim. We're going to take our last uh, uh, break for the show. I had a coupon for a free piece of toast at Raising Canes. I'm glad I do not have to pay taxes on uh, that uh, that rebate. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Uh, We're going to continue our discussion of uh, U.S. tax law. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is In Legal Terms. We only have a few minutes left, so if you're going to call, you need to do it right now.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of this excellent program on the tax law, you can listen to the whole show again at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app, as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill with her, Professor Richard Gershen from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We only have one call holding right now. So uh, this is the time to hurry up and get your calls in before our show uh, ends. And now we're going to go on the road to Chad. Thanks so much for giving us a call.
4: Yes, uh, I had a question. Uh, y'all mentioned a while ago that you could take uh, money and put in a uh, out of an IRA or... Something like that, and I'm wondering, are you taking from the federal taxes that you pay and just uh, sending it to an IRA so that you don't have to pay federal taxes? Or did I misunderstand him?
2: Well, Chad, what's really going on? It's just a deduction, like any other deduction. But um, you know, if you can uh, transfer to an IRA uh, $5,500, and if you're over 50. Then that can be up to sixty five hundred dollars, and that so instead of paying tax on that same money, that fifty five hundred dollars or sixty five hundred dollars, if you're if you're uh, over fifty, uh, you can put that money aside and save it for yourself. So it's it's the tax rate you would have paid on that. Fifty-five hundred So let's say I was in the 20% bracket, that would be, i got to do the quick math, that would be a, a, about $1,100 that I would have had to pay in taxes that I won't have to pay because I made that transfer to an IRA.
4: Correct. So I, I could take it away. In other words, the uh, W-2 that I fill out every year when I say I'm going to pay uh, that 20% tax, I can take away from that 20% tax and hold that to put in an IRA, so that I don't have to pay the taxes. That's what you're saying, right?
2: Right, right. I mean, you can you can set you can structure your uh, withholding if you know you're going to be doing retirement. Now, a lot of employers also have their own retirement plans that even give you higher limits, and that should be factored into uh, your consideration when you do withholding every year. Okay. Well, I surely appreciate it, sir. Absolutely, my pleasure.
1: Well, thank you, Chad. And uh, we can probably take one more call if anyone wants to give us a call right now at one 672 7464 Otherwise, let's move on to, you know, what is taxable income and what's not taxable income?
2: Well, you'll be happy to know that birthday presents and things that you get as gifts, even Yay. though they... And- <laughs> they're not they're not taxable income what surprises people uh, because they hear about the estate tax is that inheritances are not taxable income uh, they may be subject to the estate tax although very few would be uh, after after this year but uh, you know but but if you inherited property uh, that was not an IRA or something like that but you just inherited property that's not taxable a uh, life insurance payable to someone because of someone else's death is not taxable but what is taxable uh, and what would surprise people, besides wages and tips and interest, uh, relinquishment of debt. So, for example, people who uh, had their mortgages uh, taken over by the bank and they didn't end up paying them when uh, the housing market crashed. There was actually a taxable event in having uh, the bank forgive the loan because there is relief of debt and that relief of debt is taxable so the best thing if you're not sure is to talk to someone uh... who is either a, a cpa or a tax lawyer about whether the income or the money that you receive uh, should be reported or not
1: so far also for our out-of-state friends uh... if you uh... play the powerball keep your losing powerball tickets because if you do win the Powerball, uh, you're – am I correct on this? If you do win you're, the Powerball, that is taxable, but you can use the money you spent on losing tickets as an expense. Is that right?
2: That's right. Gambling losses are limited to the extent of gambling gains, but, you know, if you, do, if you lose a lot and then win a lot – uh, you can offset the wins by the losses. Uh, yeah, but yeah, one thing to think about, people don't think about uh, prizes or, uh, that they win are, like the lottery, are, in fact, income. And that's why if uh, you win a car on a game show, you have to pay the tax on that car, and you got to. And the IRS is not going to take a like a a, a um, rearview mirror in payment. You're going to have to come up with the cash. So that a lot of times when people win prizes of property, they end up having to sell those prizes to pay the taxes.
1: Yeah, I just saw an advertisement. The uh, Saint Jude home is is about is going to be given given away next month. Uh, and I guess whoever whoever gets that home will will get to pay taxes on that. so right. now we have we have one last call uh, from Brookhaven. John, thanks for calling in today. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I was told that um an employee uh, in the new tax law would not be able to deduct expenses and as a business owner and an employee of another uh, business, um, I'm concerned about that.
2: Well, first of all, the business owners will be able to uh, deduct their expenses directly off of their income. because, uh, And that's that's typically been the case. That's They're called above-the-line deductions. But um, unreimbursed employee expenses in the past um, have been deductible, but they still had to be itemized. And a lot of employees in that situation really didn't get the benefit of those deductions anyway. But you're right. And, and what that would mean is, let's say that I work for a, a, a restaurant where I have to buy a uniform. Um, I may not be able to deduct that cost anymore for, for uh, paying for that uniform if I'm an employee. It's better. It's going to be better for the employees if the employers actually reimburse the employees for the cost then, because the employer can take the deduction uh, and the employee will not be out of pocket that way.
4: Uh, it seems like a it's kind of like a trap going to a lot of employees that don't know about it, though.
2: You're right. It's, it's never been a great uh, thing. I've never understood why someone who had to uh, buy a uniform for their employment that their employer would not provide for them, and yet they needed to work, why they couldn't take a deduction for that uh, without having to itemize it. Um, but that's always that's been the rule for a long time, and now they've even uh, cut that out. But they've raised the standard deduction so much that a lot of people who used to itemize are not going to be itemizing next year either.
1: But, Professor Gershon, that's for 2018, so that would apply a year from now, is that right?
2: That's correct. So for 2017, you can still deduct those unreimbursed employee business expenses, but you have to be able to itemize to do that. Great. Thanks. My pleasure
1: so but uh, for this year for 2017 uh, we still have uh, personal exemptions and standard deductions so for 2017 what are those
2: well if we um, and again they're going to vary depending on are you a married filing jointly and so, you know, you got me with one that I'm going to have to look up.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's
2: all right, because, I, you know, that's what I always tell my students they're going to change. I will tell you what they are right now. Uh, the personal exemption for... Um, uh, for it has been increased to four thousand uh, fifty dollars, which is up from four thousand dollars in 2016.
1: And everyone uh, gets to take that, is that correct?
2: That's correct until you get a certain level of income. So, okay, if you have if a married couple, for example, has over four hundred and thirty six thousand uh, dollars and some change, they will really have their complete. Uh, $4,000 exemption phased out. But everyone gets to take it as a starting point, and then as your income goes up, uh, it phases out. For single people, the phase out starts at twenty two hundred sixty one thousand dollars and is completely phased out at $384,000. So it, it's complicated because as you have higher income, some of that is going to come back and be uh, taken away some of that, a portion of that 4000 But as soon as you hit $384,000, if you're single, you don't get that $4,000 exemption. But if you have that kind of taxable income, I'm not too worried about you.
1: Wow. All right. We have that. What a show this has been. Thank you so much for uh, delving into this. I hope we've really helped our listeners. That's the purpose of our local shows, is to provide access to experts for our listeners. So that wraps us up for today for In Legal Terms. Uh, fantastic job from, from Michelle McAdoo as our call screener. We appreciate our board engineer in Jackson, Jay White. He solved a major problem for us before the show began. And I don't know what we'd do without uh, Tracy Daniel in Oxford. So professor, for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Up next is Tuesday Southern Remedy show, Relatively speaking, join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.